Hello, welcome to video three of our retirement series where today we're gonna to be tackling the question, how much money do I need to retire? We're gonna be looking at four key things that you need to consider when you're tackling this question. Number one, we're gonna be looking at when you're gonna retire. Number two, how much money and look at how to calculate some rules of thumb and some guidelines to help you answer that question. Then we're gonna look at the sources of money. We're gonna determine you know, how much I need, where's that money gonna come from? If we identify a gap, we're gonna look at ways that we can, uh, steps we can take to fill that gap. We're gonna start with what I think is the easiest of these questions is when you're gonna retire. Some of you may already have an idea. If you're in your 50s, you probably have a, a destination in mind. Even if you're in your 40s, you may have. It's tougher to answer this question if you're younger. I mean, if you're in your 20s or 30s, you, uh, you, know, you may have a vague idea like I'm gonna retire early or you know, have some rough number, but because it's typically decades away, it's not realistic to have it uh, nailed down to a particular day, but the things we're gonna learn and discuss today will help you uh, when you do get to that point. Few things to consider when you're making that decision of when I'm gonna retire. And the first thing is your health or your life expectancy. I mean, in a, you know, in a nutshell, if you have poor health, sadly, or if you have a shortened life expectancy, then you're gonna to need to provide for fewer years in retirement. And obviously how many years in retirement really plays a big role in um, how much money you're gonna to need to, to create or how much wealth you're gonna to need to create to, to get to that point. Secondly, if you have a long life expectancy, if all of your family members have lived to 90, 95, 100, well, then that's gonna present a bit of a challenge because you're gonna to have to build up a bigger uh, nest egg, I guess, to provide for decades of uh, funding in retirement. Second thing to consider, do you have a partner? Do you have a spouse? Are you married? If there's two people involved in this retirement question, it should be discussed and, and it kind of makes sense, but it's not always the case. You may have an age gap and let's say, you know, one partner is 10 years older than the other. Are you still planning on retiring at the same time? Those kind of lifestyle questions that you might not think about because we think of retiring sort of uh, in this aspect as a number crunching exercise, but there's a lot of um, psychological or lifestyle uh, considerations that have to go into place as well. Another significant consideration to uh, factor in is your career. If you work in a job where you love going to work and it's you know easy on the body and you have no rush to retire, well, that could push things back a little bit. Conversely, if you work in a job where you just struggle to go to work every day or maybe it's, it's hard physically and you feel as you get a little bit older, you're not gonna be able to do the job properly, well, that might uh, you know, prompt you to move that day uh, a little bit more forward. Another consideration is, I mean, flat out, can you afford to retire? It's one thing, let's say you're 50 and you wanna retire at 55, uh, once you crunch the numbers, you just may not be in a position where that's feasible. So that will also factor in. And that's what we're trying to do here is narrow in on what that date might look like for you. Something interesting that I saw in my career as a financial planner is that a lot of people pick that retirement date you know, ahead of time. And then as you get closer and closer, people tend to delay it a little bit, push it back. And it wasn't uncommon at all. Just as an example, you might've had someone say at 50 who said they're gonna retire at 56. They get to 54, 55, and that decision day comes. And it's quite common that they're gonna say, you know what, I'm enjoying my work and, and I'm making good money right now. So they tend to maybe push it back to 57 and they get to 56 and oh, maybe push it to 58. I saw that quite often. Hopefully you're in a, in a situation where you're enjoying your work. And you know if it comes to that where you don't wanna necessarily you know, hang up your shingle yet, that's something that, uh, that you're in a position to be able to do and enjoy it. 
Question number two that we need to answer, and this is a critical part of this whole equation, is how much money I'm going to be spending when I get to retirement. And that will dictate how much money you need to provide for that income, obviously. Two ways we can go about this. Uh, there's rules of thumb, which I'm gonna cover off a few of them here, and that'll give you sort of a ballpark idea. And then there's just sitting down and doing the calculations. It's a more labor intensive, but it does, it does prove to be more accurate. I'm gonna cover both of them right now. Uh, you can do most of these numbers online today, or you can consult a professional to do that for you. Uh, when I was working, I did prepare financial plans, and the biggest benefit I felt to people who uh, you know who got financial plans prepared for them tended to be closer to retirement. So maybe you're five years out from retirement or ten, and you can kind of see that finish line. The number one benefit that people got was if they felt they're in a position to retire was essentially to confirm that, you know, a sort of validation that, yes, I'm on the right track and, you know, you don't need to change anything or change a few little tweaks here and there, and that will get you to that finish line. There is a very valuable resource, I would say, on the uh, Government of Canada website. I think they call it the Canadian or the Retirement Income Calculator or something to that effect. And I'll, I, I've gone through it myself and I'll show you a few screenshots here of what that looks like. Essentially, it's a calculator where you can answer some you know, some basic questions. So then you start entering information like what year you want to retire, things like your monthly expenses, your income, uh, whether you're going to be, you know, getting maximum CPP, OAS, etc. And then you go through and fill out the different parameters. And it does a really good job of providing you with a graphical view of, you know, what your retirement is going to look like. It also might uh, raise a few things that you hadn't considered, such as when you're going to be starting your CPP or your old age security, uh, you know, those types of questions. Near the end, it provides you with a summary and a, a good estimate of whether you're going to, uh, you know, whether you're on track, whether you have a bit of slush fund. It's something, in, you know, beyond that, you're able to go in and print out a, a report. And this might be a really good starting point to just gather the information and it'll help you sort of home in on, on what that number is going to look like for you. Regardless of whether you get it done professionally and have a financial plan prepared or whether you do it yourself online, there's a few things that you're going to, a few challenges I would say that you're going to need to consider. Number one is inflation. Obviously, if we think back you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, things were much less expensive than they are today. That pattern's not going to change. So you have to calculate in today's dollars what you're spending. And then the software that you're using should project out and factor in a reasonable level of inflation. Another challenge we have today is we're living longer, you know, with medical intervention, uh, just the, the life expectancy of people continues to, uh, to grow. Just as a few examples, I'll, I'll show you a table here that comes off the um, Stats Canada website. For example, if you're 30 years old today and you're a male, you have 48 years of life expectancy ahead of you. And if you're female, you have 53 years. And you can go through the table and pick out your age and, and sort of see, uh, you know, what uh, a rough guideline is as to how long you can expect to live. Now, there's no way you're going to be able to nail to the penny exactly how much you're going to spend when you retire, especially if it's a few years out. But let's look at some rules of thumb that are commonly used. I would say as a starting point, they're not going to give you a, a super act, a super accurate number, but let's look as a starting point. One of the most common, uh, I would say, is the 4% rule. Now, this is quite controversial. It uh, it was developed back in 1994 by a financial advisor named William Bengen, and he basically came to the conclusion in his study that if you're assuming a 30-year retirement and you're assuming a balanced investment portfolio, in fact, he used 50% stocks and 50% treasuries, 
you should be able to spend 4% of your income on an annual basis inflated or going, you know, indexed for inflation without running, uh, without running out of money. So again, this assumes a 30 year retirement period. Let's look at a mathematical example. And according to his numbers, if you have a million dollars available to you to fund your retirement and you use the 4% rule, well, that means you would be able to fund $40,000 worth of retirement expenses. And that would be indexed to inflation for 30 years. So that's not a bad starting number. A few things to consider. Number one is if you are more conservative than that and you feel, well, gee, I, I just want to have a bit of more of a buffer, then you can lower that number. You can use, uh, say, 3.5% uh, and spend that amount, which would be $35,000 a year with that same million dollars, rather than the 4%. Now, if you feel that I can far outperform that, and just as, just as an aside, the uh, to generate that type of re to to generate those type of numbers you would assume a 4% rate of return plus inflation so you know roughly in the 6 6 and a half 7% range if you feel you can do better than that well then heck you could use 4 and a half percent if you're more confident in that regard something else that you have to take into consideration when you're doing this calculation is if you can do a rough estimate of where we are in the economic cycle and if we look at the valuations of the major indices around the world they're quite high right now if we look at you know just using price to earnings of the major indices uh, there's you know a, a considerable likelihood that the markets will drop in value you know at, well before too long at some point we know that they will you, it's uh, kind of unfortunate but you don't want to you don't want to time the withdrawals from your portfolio that coincide exactly when the markets drop only because then if you still take that 4% constantly out, you're taking the 4% from a smaller number if your investment portfolio drops in value. So that's something you might want to consider uh, as far as timing of your retirement is concerned. Also right now, uh, really challenging with this portfolio, the 4% is derived from this balanced portfolio, including a substantial amount of fixed income or bonds. And right now, interest rates are, are, are so low that that portion of the portfolio, you may struggle to keep up with that 4% plus inflation. A sister rule to the 4% rule is the 25 times rule. And what this says is essentially that you calculate how much money you're going to need for living expenses when you retire. Then to fund 25 years of retirement, you simply multiply that number times 25. This also assumes you're getting a 4% rate of return uh, plus, plus inflation on that as well. Let's look at a couple of mathematical examples. So assuming you want $75,000 in retirement income. To do the calculation, you take your $75,000 times 25 and that equals $1,875,000. This formula assumes that you have no other sources of income. And the reality is that most people will have some other income, whether it's CPP or OAS or perhaps some pensions. Let's look at some examples of that. Sticking with the $75,000, if that's what your target is, let's assume that you're going to be getting $1,000 a month from government benefits, a combination of Canada Pension Plan and Old Age Security. So we'll take our $75,000, we'll take $12,000 off of that. That leaves us with $63,000 as a shortfall or as a gap that we need to fill. $63,000 times 25 equals $1,575,000. Taking that example one step further, let's assume that you have a pension that you're expecting to get $2,000 a month, again, indexed to inflation. So now we take $24,000 from pension, we take $12,000 from government benefits, and that equals $36,000. When we subtract that from the $75,000, we're left with $39,000 that we actually have to fund. So in this case, you take $39,000 times 25, 
that equals $975,000 that you will have had to have accumulated in order to provide, uh, to make up the difference between the government pension plans, your private pension plans, and the money that you're planning on spending. Another example that I saw that was quite common during my working years was uh, a lower income target. So if we used $50,000 income as your target, if we assumed you have a $1,000 pension, let's be a little bit more conservative, and we assume that you're going to be getting $1,000 a month from your OAS and CPP, well, that's $24,000. If we take the the $50,000 target income and we subtract the $24,000 from that, that's going to leave $26,000 that we need to make up. 26,000 times 25 equals $650,000 if you're using this 25 times rule. That seems to me to be a fairly common, fairly realistic evaluation of what you can expect when you get to your retirement years. Let's look now at what I call the best solution for you know calculating how much you're going to need in retirement. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. For the low cost of only $19.95 Canadian, you can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. And this is, uh, I'm going to say the B word, this is creating a budget. And this word kind of sends some people, you know, running for the hills. And uh, I think back over my career and I worked with so many clients who had such diverse views on this. And one of the very first couples I ever took on as clients way back when, uh, I remember vividly in a first meeting, the, uh, the wife said to me, if you ever use the word budget, or if you ever try and put me on a budget, we're going to find another advisor. And uh, she was so, they had assets. But she never wanted to feel like going out and you know buying a new pair of shoes or something along those lines was something that she didn't want to have the stress of that. So she never wanted to prepare a, a budget. Now, on the flip side of that, I worked with a couple who probably five to 10 years leading up to retirement created a very detailed spreadsheet. And literally every month it was updated with market values, uh, reduction in debt, all of the details of their particular plan, they had their date nailed right down to the day that they were planning on retiring, and it worked very well for them, but they're very, very detail-oriented. So it comes down to the, the person. If you can keep a budget, I think, or prepare a budget, I guess I would say, uh, I think that's the best solution. It gives you a much more, a much clearer ver- a vision of what you're going to need to to fund your retirement. Uh, so that's that's just my advice: is if you can, if it's if you have it within yourself, uh, prepare a budget. Let's look at some tips on how to go about doing that. Uh, a couple of really simple ways, if you haven't been keeping a budget, is just to gather. Uh, you gather the data. So look at your credit card. If you if you tend to put things on credit cards, look at your credit card bills for the last probably three months should be pretty sufficient. I mean, a year is ideal because you're going to have sort of the more annual lump sums in there. But even for three months, 
if you go through, pick out, you know, what you spend on gas, what you spend on groceries, that type of thing, it's going to give you a pretty good picture. Uh, by the same token, go look at maybe um, your bank account. So if you have pre-authorized checks for, you know, your hydro bills or maybe your phone bills, that type of thing coming out of your uh, of your bank account, use the data that's already there to compile. That'll give you a pretty good idea of what you're spending today. When you compile that data, look at what is fixed and what is discretionary. So what are things that are going to continue after you've retired? And what are things that may stop after you've retired? Things like uh, your your transportation budget may go down. Maybe you're not spending money on gas, going back and forth to work, those types of things. Just look and see uh, what you have on there that you may, that will change when you retire. Once you've gathered that data, there are a few different sources that you can use to sort of put that into something more formal. Number one, uh, going back to the Canada Government of Canada website, they have actually a very good budget planner on there. Uh, I'll put some screenshots up. They have a site that you can go to and, and it's a, they call it the budget planner. And if you go through, it will take you through a, a very comprehensive platform where you can enter you know, all the relevant data that you would need to prepare your budget, such as your income, and it goes down into various uh, savings plans that you have if you're putting money away every month for retirement, uh, education, that type of thing. Uh, that then goes into your expenses and has a very comprehensive list of sort of the most common expenses that most people would uh, would be facing. Once you've entered that information, it takes you to a, a very comprehensive summary. And one of the things I like about it is it gives you an idea if you're uh, sort of in the ballpark with fellow Canadians, it'll, it'll give you some averages and show if you're above average or below average in that respect. It then gives you what I think is quite a, an attractive graphical report. And for those of you who are more visual, it just helps sort of solidify you know, step number one of the question is, uh, what do you have today? Because if you know what you have today, it'll help you understand what you're going to need when you get into retirement. Uh, another, just a very simple example of how to keep track of this. I'll put a spreadsheet up that I've used with clients over the years. And it's just a simple Excel spreadsheet that shows along the top your various sources of revenue. Then it shows your expenses down the left and it you know, just goes month by month. And it can show you, you know, if you have some uh, uneven or lumpy cash flow where you may want to be prepared and have some money saved up for the months where you have some annual expenses or lump sum expenses that may exceed your current income. Something I saw used with great success with the clients I worked with over the years was if you're a year or two away from retirement and typically, let's say a year out, maybe simulate retirement. So you've got your calculations as to how much you're going to need to spend. And as much as possible, start doing that a year ahead of time. So if you're earning more than you need, you know, save the excess that you don't need and just see how it goes. And you may find that you're right on or you might find that you need to adjust things a little bit before you, um, you know, before you actually get to retirement. But it's a good way of going through that dress rehearsal, I would say. And, it, and it, like I say, it has really helped people out. Uh, and that's been my personal experience. So we've looked at when you're going to retire. We've looked approximately at how much your expenses are going to be in retirement. But we need to acknowledge that there are really three distinct phases in retirement. It's not like you retire on day one and your spending habits continue for you know for decades. The first part of retirement, I'm going to call the early phase, which I categorize up until age 70. And of course, it's a little bit arbitrary, but uh, based on my experience, the first number of years, people tend to spend more, tend to travel more, maybe do some work around the house, uh, take on some new hobbies that might cost some money that you may not have you know, had the time to do before. So allow for a little bit higher expending, uh, expenditures in the first years. I'm going to say up to age 70. The mid phase, let's call it ages 70 to 80. Most people still, if they have a bent for traveling, are still going to want to do that. 
At this point, there may be grandchildren in the picture, and it's not uncommon for people to spend money uh, or to spend time with their grandchildren, which can mean traveling to see them or paying sometimes for their grandchildren and the families to come out. Uh, very common that parents with some wealth are maybe wanting to share it. So maybe they have adult children who uh, you know, have a home or a mortgage and, and they, they want to share the wealth and maybe help them with, uh, with paying those types of things down. It's, a, it's, a fa- it's, it's quite different for a lot of people, but it can be... A, um, a phase where you've gone through the early expensive years and now you settle into sort of more of a routine for from your 70s up until your 80s. The late stage, I call it 80 plus and everybody's a little bit different of course. This is not one size fits all but the reality is that most people when they're 80 are more content to stay home. They, they certainly will be traveling less uh, and their expenditures tend to be a lot less as well. More eating at home rather than going out to restaurants. Uh, an exception to this is it's possible, in fact it's common, that when you get older you may have to pay, pay for health care. So this depends a lot on your circumstances, uh, your living arrangements, and, but if you are susceptible to, to possibly needing to pay for uh, care home, then you need to factor that in. Uh, I, I know that there is insurance that you can buy. Uh, I was not in the insurance industry, I couldn't even give you an idea of what the rates are. But if you are concerned that your budget doesn't have a lot of extra room in there, in case you need to pay on a monthly amount to be in, in a care facility, then uh, maybe consult with an insurance representative to find out how much it would cost you today um, to cover those potential expenses off as you uh, as you get older. I'm just telling you these three phases because when you're uh, when you're planning for your retirement expenditures, just recognize that, uh, like I said, it's just not one number for the entire. 30 or 40 years, uh, it, it is going to ebb and flow as you move through your retirement years. Also, a couple of last points on uh, this part of our discussion here today. Retirement isn't just financial, it's very emotional. And to think about, to visualize your retirement can be very valuable because it's a, it can be an abrupt change. And, and uh, I know people who have been forced to retire. So maybe get, you know, getting into some form of a mindset where you anticipate being in retirement and that will help you ease into that phase of your life. In all cases, whether you're in early retirement, mid-retirement, or late retirement, uh, it's always advisable to have some form of an emergency fund or a slush fund to have around. You know, there's different rules of thumb, but let's say three months of living expenses, just in case something uh, really negative happens and you're you're forced to come up with some money in a hurry. You don't need to liquidate some assets in order to raise that money. So that's something to consider as well. Okay, step one, we looked at when you're planning on retiring. Step two, we looked at roughly how to estimate what your expenses are going to be in retirement. Now we have to look at what sources of, inf- uh, of income you're going to have in retirement and see if they cover what your expenses are going to be. Let's start with Government of Canada. I'm just going to kind of go through what the uh, what uh, uh, the common um, sources of income are in retirement. And you can just pick and choose which ones apply to you and pop them into your spreadsheet when you're doing your calculations. Let's start with uh, CPP. Most Canadians will get some form of Canada Pension Plan. OAS and GIS, somewhere in the $600 range you can expect for old age security if you live in Canada uh, most of your life. If you are fortunate enough to have a pension plan, it will be one of two types. It'll be either uh, a defined benefit plan, which means that you have a specific amount that you expect to get when you retire. Uh, you have no choice in how the, the, the funds are managed. And basically the amount that you're gonna get is a formula that is calculated based on most commonly based on the number of years that you've worked for your employer and your salary and it's a percentage of that and that determines how much you'll actually be able to draw on a monthly basis. 
Uh, some plans are indexed to inflation, some are not indexed. So when you're doing your math, uh, you'll need to check and see whether yours is or not. The other type of uh, pension plan is called a defined contribution plan. And these are much more common these days than they were back in the old days. Uh, defined contribution plan, the, the amount that's known is the amount that you're actually contributing to the plan. The amount that you'll get when it comes time to retire will depend on how the funds are managed, the rate of return that you get uh, between now and retirement. Um, less secure, less definite than than the, the sort of the old-fashioned defined benefit plans. If you do have a defined contribution plan, typically when you retire, you're going to take the lump sum that's accumulated in that plan and you're going to roll it out and put it into either a locked-in RSP, um, a locked-in RIF, a retirement income fund, or uh, possibly an annuity that you would purchase uh, with a life insurance company, again, at the time of retirement. RDSP, a registered disability pension plan. You may participate in a pooled registered pension plan, uh, which is similar to a defined contribution plan, but the employer contributions are, are optional in, in a case like that. You may participate in a voluntary retirement savings plan, which is the Quebec version of the uh, the pooled pension plan. You may also have non-registered investments uh, that you have that you've accumulated money that you'll now turn into a, a revenue stream. Another relatively common strategy when you retire, especially in certain pockets of the of the country like Vancouver or uh, Toronto, for example, where the price of housing is quite high, you may have a large amount of equity built up in your home. It's very common that you may at some point in retirement, typically not early, but at some point later in your retirement, you may uh, downsize and sell your home uh, buy a less expensive place, whether it's a smaller place or whether it's in a smaller community, perhaps, and the money or the, the difference in the equity, uh, you will use that. That'll add to your income pool as well. Another less common but available source of income, if you do in your home, is a reverse mortgage. So this is essentially where you take your home and you borrow against it. And as long as you're living in the home, uh, you have that debt against the home, but it frees up some capital so that you can use that for living expenses Last on the sort of most common methods of funding retirement, and although a lot of people don't want to even think about this, is inheritances. And a lot of people will be inheriting money. And uh, I've always thought as I was preparing financial plans, uh, there's no shame, nothing wrong with, with facing reality and saying at some point, uh, the people who, you know, typically parents will be passing along and, uh, it, you know, they, there will be assets that pass down to the next generation. You know, you're not going to know the exact day, of course, that, that that's going to happen. But whether it's five years or 10 years or 15 years down the road, you can uh, build that into a financial plan. So at some point you may have a, a, an, a, an infusion of cash that becomes available to help uh, fund your retirements as well. Those are the most common sources of income. And as you're doing your planning, you just look and fill in uh, in one of the budgeting spreadsheets. You just look at each of those that are applicable to you, put those numbers in, and that will really help you form the base of uh, the income that you can rely on in retirement. And now we're gonna move on to section four, which is filling the gap. So you've kind of determined, here's how much I want to spend, here's how much I have to spend, and uh, you now just need to know, uh, are you okay? Are you on track or is there a big gap that you need to fill? If you're in the fortunate situation where you do your calculations, you do your math and you have enough and you expect that that will last you through uh, through your retirement, I mean, that's awesome, good for you. From an investment perspective, don't forget, you do have typically decades worth of, invest, uh, of uh, retirement funding ahead of you. It's common that people kind of take a very, very cautious approach when they get into retirement. Uh, if you have enough to provide you with um, 
with your income flow, but not a, a ton of extra, keep in mind the money probably will need to be re remain invested to counter uh, you know inflation. Because as we talked about earlier, I think uh, you know prices are going to continue to rise whether you're retired or not. So you're going to want to grow that money. And in fact, the the sort of the rules of thumb that we looked at anticipated some growth. Let's look at some different time frames of you know how close you are to retirement and looking at some investment strategies there. Let's look first at if you are 20 years or more from retirement. You have a lot of uh, you know time is on your side. You have quite an investment horizon in front of you uh, before you get to that point where you're going to start drawing income. Uh, I'm never an advocate for being a speculative investor. You, you know, don't take huge bets, but you definitely can orient your portfolio to more growth oriented. You can buy uh, you know have the asset allocation shifted more towards growth, less in fixed income, bonds, cash, that type of thing. Uh, make sure that you um, have the fortitude, uh, if you're going to go that route, to ride the ups and the downs in the market because they will come. The fact that you're younger when the markets do crash from time to time, and if you're 20, you're going to go through some crashes, uh, it does you no good if the markets drop, you pull your money out, you wait till they go back, if you put it back in, and you repeat that cycle. So time is on your side, take advantage of it, but you know most importantly, know what you're doing. Now, if you are somewhere from 10 to 20 years to retire, so you're in that phrase, in that stage, if you're on track, well, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, just, you've obviously been doing things right so far, and uh, just, I wouldn't make any major changes to that. It's, it's you know, it's not time yet to be cautious, and, uh, but, you know, obviously don't be over, overly aggressive as well. Uh, if you haven't built up an nest egg yet, it's, it, fortunately, it's not too late. Uh, you you can actually uh, dedicate more of your resources to building up the portfolio. Uh, again, if you're in that sort of 10 years or 15 years uh, uh, out from retirement, I would say in this stage, you want to really start focusing on the savings. And uh, as much as you can comfortably allocate without, you know, living like a hermit, uh, take money, uh, establish a regular investment program and just keep building that nest egg up to provide you with more comfort uh, you know, when you get to those retirement years. If you are 10 years or fewer from retirement, so now you actually see the finish line. You may have some very specific uh, goals that you're able to identify now. Uh, if you, if your math shows that you're on track, just keep doing what you're doing. Maintain a, a balanced portfolio, uh, no time to take unnecessary risks, but it's also probably too early to you know put your money under a mattress as well if that day ever comes. So just you know keep that balanced portfolio and, and keep putting uh, an allocation of your per, uh, percentage of your income into a plan and stay on track. Now, if you're behind and you have fewer than 10 years, uh, it will be tough. I mean, it's just, you, you gotta call it what it is. Uh, if you've um, just starting now, you've lost the benefit of, of compounding, which is one of the most powerful aspects of developing uh, a nest egg. Urgency is of the priority. Really start putting aside as much as you can right now. I found in through my working career that people around the age of 50 kind of finally got serious about investing. It might be late 40s, early 50s, but somewhere in that range, uh, people start, I guess, because you can sort of see the end in sight and you look at your investment account and you go, wow, this is, uh, this is not where it should be. Take advantage of, uh, in most cases or in many cases, you're going to be in your peak earning years right now. So if you can trim your expenses and start putting more and more money away uh, to investments. At this point, it'll be more saving than it will be uh, investing just because of the, the, you know, the, the fewer years that you have until retirement. But even when you get to retirement, don't forget, you'll be there for a long time as well. So just keep plugging away that, that, uh, in that respect. From a portfolio uh, perspective, 
uh, take a more moderate stance. The last thing you can do right now, and I see people doing this all the time when they do the math and go, wow, I'm way behind. I better ramp up the risk. Um, you may get lucky and you know reach a target that you've set for yourself or, or have more money in retirement. However, um, there, there's also this risk that you're going to take a big hit if the markets just turn against you at the wrong time. And you just can't afford now to, to take a huge drop that's just gonna set you back too far and it could be, you know I would say, catastrophic. Um, if that's the case, if you are closer, uh, you may have to just sort of face reality and go, uh, I may have to work a little bit longer, whether it's a year or two or three years, extend the time horizon of when you're planning on retiring. Um, you you know do you want to make sure your money is managed safely and uh, do the best you can to increase the rate of return without taking an inordinate amount of risk, uh, and maybe just um, you'll start shifting your mind or start with that mind shift of what retirement looks like uh, if you can't afford the dream. So you've had all these visions in your in your mind, and uh, maybe now uh, maybe some regret, but uh, if you simply don't see being able to achieve those, start preparing yourself now for what that's going to look like. So when the day comes, you don't want to be in retirement and be depressed or regret looking back over your life. So mentally prepare for that as well. I want to kind of recap what we've talked about today in this this quest to answer the question, how much will I need to retire? First of all, let's you look at when you're going to retire. That time frame between now and then is a key factor. You want to estimate what you'll need. And this is something that only you can do. You can use those rules of thumb, uh, which are a start. Uh, if you go and, and spend the time doing a, a proper budget, uh, that'll give you a much clearer picture. Review the sources of income that you have. So do you have government pension plans? Uh, or sorry, you have, probably will have government pension plans. Do you have private pension plans? Uh, how much have you built up to provide you with that? Uh, step number four in this equation is assessing where you're at. So do you have a shortfall? Do you have a surplus? Uh, if you have a gap, take the steps to fill it if necessary. If uh, if it's possible, um, then uh, do everything you can to just you know, really start focusing on that retirement date. Uh, and in many cases, if you're behind, you'll be able to catch up. I hope this has provided you with some real structure and thoughts as to the things that you're uh, going to need to know uh, to retire comfortably. But I am curious, what did I miss? I know there's there's so many uh, different scenarios and clearly in a video like this, you can't address every individual uh, uh, scenario, but I'm hoping that there was nothing uh, you know obvious that I left out of this. But if I did, uh, for a future video, uh, I'm you know all uh, welcome all comments. So if you want to drop a line and just say, well, what about this or you know should we be considering that? Uh, I welcome that and look forward to uh, to being able to respond, whether it's you know by answering comments online or whether it's at some point creating a, another video on this topic. As always, if you aren't sure about investing, but you've identified that maybe it's something you probably should be doing and you wanna you know, really take that serious and learn the proper way of investing, uh, the first link in the description below is for our investing academy. And I mean, that's what the whole academy is structured for. It's helping people, whether you're a raw beginner or whether you have more experience, um, just uh, fine tuning your portfolios or starting from scratch if if that's the situation you're in and whatever guidance we can help uh, in that regard just check it out uh, below 
I'm going to wrap up this probably rather long video. And uh, thank you so much. If you've stuck around till the end here, uh, you know, thanks a, a lot. I really appreciate that. If you did find the uh, video valuable, maybe just take a moment, give it a thumbs up, drop a comment, uh, and that will help spread the word. And maybe there's other people who are in circumstances similar to yourself who would benefit from watching the video. Thanks very much for watching. And I look forward to seeing you in the next video.